Yesterday, the difference between the yield on the three-month Treasury bill and the yield for the 10-year U.S. Treasury note fell to minus 173 basis points, which is by far the most in the modern records that we have. You've got to go back to the early 1980s and late 1970s before you see any kind of yield curve inversion, or any inversion for that matter, to this substantial degree. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jay Powell last year said, forget about the three-month 10-year spread. Forget about the two-year 10-year spread. We only focus on the near-term forward spread, which is the difference between the current three-month Treasury bill rate and what the market thinks the three-month rate will be 18 months ahead of us. Well, the near-term forward spread just recently fell to around 150 basis points inverted. And as of lately, it's about a rough, still roughly 140 basis points inverted. We haven't seen anything like that since 1981. So just like the yield curve inversions, the near-term forward spread is deeply, heavily inverted. And heavily inverted in a way that, to this degree, last time we saw something like this was May of 1981, just before the 81-82 recession hit, which was the worst recession of the post-war era. I don't count 2007, 2008, because that wasn't a recession. Um, again, November 1980, um, near-term forward spread, September, October 1979 with the Iran oil uh, just before the sharp, serious sharp 1980 recession. You can go back to 1973 and 74, August of 74, the near-term forward spread was about where it is today. Just before, while the economy was already in recession, it really fell into recession. So what we're saying here is the yield curve signals are that despite all the proclamations and, and reassurances that last month's events were all about last month, the yield curves are saying there is worse and worse and worse yet to head. And the deeper they get inverted, the more certain they are. Now, I'm gonna go back to a paper that I, I referred to a couple months ago because it really sets up what we're gonna talk about today. It's from the National Bank of Belgium. It was, it was published in June of 2019. And the introduction says, experience shows that commentators tend to downplay the signals given by the yield curve. In fact, when asked the question in 2007, 2000, 1990, and on earlier occasions, most economists indicated that this time is different, meaning that this time, the yield curve inversion will not be followed by a recession. Yet, a recession occurred every time. And the deeper the inversions go, it's not necessarily one-to-one, -one, but the more likely a recession is going to happen, it's pretty high likelihood to begin with, and the more likely it'll be a severe one. Now we got the GDP numbers in the United States today, consumer spending, oh, consumer spending. Consumer spending picked, ticked up on a one-time thing, which has got many people thinking, this time is different, the yield curve must be wrong. Well. Got bad news for you there because the GDP report was riddled with weakness. Looks a lot like what we've seen before. And so let's talk about what's in GDP. Let's talk about what consumer spending means as far as cyclicality in the economy. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available. We have research products available. All the information, you've heard me say this a thousand times before. In all the information at eurodollar.university, we dive deep, we do daily briefings, we go into the background behind the eurodollar system because we need to do all these things since economics has done such a horrible, horrible job preparing the public 
and people just people even in the financial services industries for what all of these all the information that we have available including economics and economists telling us to ignore yield curve inversions when that is the worst thing you could possibly do again all the information memberships research subscriptions eurodollar.university so we're back into this, at least for today. We're back into this, well, GDP didn't crash. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. And consumer spending picked up. And as we know, economists love two things. They love to say that the unemployment rate is low. Therefore, there's a labor shortage. Therefore, there can be no recession. And because the unemployment rate is low and there's a labor shortage, the labor market is robust, consumer spending will support the economy and see it through these dark times and prove the yield curve is completely wrong. So GDP today came in, first of all, nominal GDP was at 5.1% quarter over quarter at an annual rate, which actually was pretty slow. That's the slowest since the second quarter of 2020. So the slowest yet in this cycle in nominal GDP. So even the nominal economy is slowing down 5.1%. That would be a relatively decent quarter pre-2020. So uh, really a tremendous amount of slowing down in the nominal economy already. But your real GDP, real GDP came in at 1.05669 compounded annual rate. So roughly 1.1%. That's slower than the 2.54 in the fourth quarter and the 3.19 in the third quarter of last year. So the economy 1.05 or 1.11 or 1.1%, not great, but still not awful either and the reason it was 1.11 percent was because of personal consumption expenditures even though the economy has fallen way off even its uh, its, its 2010s trend which is nowhere near the pre-2008 trend but even though the economy still hasn't recovered from the technical recession last year personal consumption expenditures bumped up accelerated pretty sharply in the first quarter of 2023. Uh, the annual rate was 3.7%, that's quarter over quarter. That was up substantially from just 1% in the fourth quarter, and it was the highest since the second quarter of 2021. So that sounds terrific. Consumers are coming back, price pressures alleviate a little bit, and here comes consumers to spend and to save the economy, put us into the soft landing scenario. Everything is great. Um, but the reason consumer spending ticked up as much as it did was basically automobiles. Consumers liked, apparently, for whatever reason, maybe it was because there were more automobiles available, supply shock, supply problems have diminished, dealer lots are a little bit more uh, stocked than they had been, certainly over the last couple of years. Consumers thinking, well, maybe we'll buy a, buy a car before everything who knows what the reason was but for some reason in the first quarter americans wanted to buy quite a few automobiles so consumer spending um contributed 1.32 to the overall 1.10 rate and motor vehicles were the vast majority of that i mean vast majority of that when uh, spending and especially durable goods and motor vehicles had been negative in the, each of the three prior quarters. So, so whatever the reason was for unusual one-time purposes, consumers went out and bought a lot more automobiles than they had been buying in the previous three quarters. 
and that boosted consumer spending, overall personal consumption. Services were still relatively flat, still growing at roughly the same rate, even though that contributed about 1.03% or 1.03 points to the 1.11 GDP in the quarter. So buying cars, weak consumer spending, relatively relatively uninspiring and lackluster services, but you know exactly how economists and the media are going to treat that 3.7% PCE number because we have seen this before. I've talked about this before. Let's go back to October 2007 real quick. Dave Stockton, staff economist for the FOMC. Uh, there can be little denying that across the board, the readings and economic activity have been stronger than our expectations in September. In terms of domestic spending, the largest upside surprises have been in consumer spending, and much of the upward revision reflects data on activity after the financial turbulence had already begun. Overall consumer spending was stronger than we had expected in August, and the available information on retail sales and on the sales of motor vehicles suggests that PCE exceeded our expectations for September as well. What he was saying was, Despite all the stuff in the housing market, despite all the financial volatility, LIBOR, whatever the monetary stuff that went on in August and September, the consumer appeared to be holding up relatively well, especially buying motor vehicles. I mean, this sounds a little too on the nose, especially, well, hopefully, when we get to the next part, which was the next FOMC meeting in December of 2007. So after saying, hey, the consumer is holding up relatively well in the face of all this financial and monetary turbulence. We expect, therefore, that the economy will hold up really well because the labor market seems to be doing great. And if consumers spend, who cares about all that housing bubble stuff? We get forward about six weeks into December 2007, and it completely changed. Here's Stockton again. The incoming data on consumer spending also have, have surprised us to the downside. Real outlays are now estimated to have been nearly flat between August and October, rather than increasing modestly as had earlier appeared to be the case. That subdue pace seems consistent with the slump in consumer sentiment that has followed in the wake of the increased financial turbulence. In other words, they were a little bit premature in pulling on consumer spending and depending upon that to get the economy through to what became the Great Recession. What they expected would avoid the Great Recession. That financial turbulence did seem to have a material impact on consumer spending, especially several months after it. Again, several months after the financial turbulence, that's when the data really started to show that there was an effect on consumers. Even though consumer spending was relatively decent, but, but not great beforehand, once the, once the financial turbulence started, it didn't fall right off a cliff, but it kicked off the change in trend. It was an inflection point that led to consumer spending ratcheting down more and more as more financial turbulence and more recession processes were, were piled on top of them. Because recessions like crises are incremental. They're not all at once. They don't go in a straight line. There's always the back and forth. Usually there's this ratcheting effect. So in terms of consumer spending, in 2007, the FOMC said consumer spending is relatively good. Therefore, the economy will be just fine. And then in December 2007, they said, ooh, consumer spending is a little softer than we thought. 
But that'll mean that it'll support the rest of the economy through these turbulent times. And then we fast forward a little bit more, more financial turbulence, Bear Stearns and all that. And they say, oh, consumer spending is actually down, but it's not awful. And it's not awful. It's not the worst that we could possibly see. So that brings us up to June of 2008. And here's what one FOMC governor had said. Let me make three summary points, and then I'll talk about three issues that I think are harder. First, on the economy, through late May 2008, as the Green Book suggests, the real economy proved more resilient and more dynamic than the consensus had anticipated. Consumer spending was moderate but positive, and, and labor markets were soft, but neither was necessarily indicative of a recession through late May 2008. So we start out with consumer spending here. Everything's just fine. Consumer spending ratchets down. Late 2007, they say, well, it's not awful. Therefore, the economy, it should support the economy. Consumer spending ratchets down again. And they say, well, it's not, it's not the worst it could possibly be. Therefore, we're not expecting a recession. And by the way, just according to the PCE numbers, consumer spending in third quarter 2007 was plus 2.7% quarter over quarter. So relatively decent. In the fourth quarter, it was 1.6%, so there's the slowdown that they were talking about. In the first quarter of 2008, minus 0.5, negative, but not horribly negative. Then it rebounded in the second quarter of 2008, thus Warsh's comments saying, maybe they won't, maybe consumer spending won't be too bad, and that will support the economy. It will avoid a recession until the third quarter of 2008, which, remember, mostly before Lehman Brothers, consumer spending PCE fell 3% at an annual rate. So ratcheting down, especially as financial turbulence ratchets up. There's a lesson here somewhere. And the lesson is something that's priced into the labor market, or not to the labor markets, well, will be priced in the labor markets, but priced into the bond markets. This time is not different. Outside of consumer spending, there's lots of weakness. Uh, biggest negative contribution, of course, is inventories. It's inventories were down very slightly in the first quarter of 2023 compared to a large increase in the fourth quarter. As merchants and wholesalers and retailers realized they're holding too much inventory despite the surge in automobile spending, there wasn't really a surge in all the rest of the spending. So if, unless you're an automobile producer or dealer or wholesaler, you're stuck with too much inventory and you're wondering where all your customers have gone. Remember, nominal economy is falling and slowing down too. So there's an adjustment going on to the point that that, uh, that, small, that modest decline in inventory because of how GDP is accounted for subtracted 2.26 points off of GDP. So biggest negative contribution from lack of inventory. So we sold a few more cars to consumers. Consumers didn't buy as much other stuff. Companies outside or merchants outside of the automobile industry cut back on inventories classic cyclical behavior entering a recession. Uh, fixed investment was largely flat, barely positive, which means businesses aren't all that positive about investing in the real economy at this moment in time. Remember, most of the st March SVB, first quarter was mostly before we even get to this. So we're not even really getting to the fallout of financial turbulence. The last part, the one that everybody, but, 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 Consumer prices, the prices in GDP actually accelerated in the first quarter. Doesn't that mean transitory disinflation? Doesn't that mean the economy is super resilient and in danger of reheating again? Well, no, 
The implicit, implicit price deflator, the PC for about, about consumer spending, consumer consumption, uh, that rose at a 4.2% annual rate in the first quarter. That's quarter over quarter. That compares to 3.7% in the fourth quarter, so modestly faster. But it's still slower than the third quarter of last year, which was 4.3%. And one of the reasons why was because services numbers are still relatively high. In the first quarter, the services PCE was 5.9%, but that was a touch slower than the fourth quarter, which was 6.0%. So maybe that one's ro rolling over. But really, it was about goods. In the first quarter of 2023, the goods deflator rose by 0.7%. Not a whole lot, but that's a little. That's quite a bit faster than the minus 0.5% in the fourth quarter. So again, there's a, a little bit of rebound, mostly because of automobiles. And both of those compared to the 2.7% in the third quarter of last year, which was much faster than most, even though that was a slow one compared to recent times. So it's not as if the economy came just roaring back to life in the first quarter of 2023. On the contrary, apart from more one-off factors, and especially in automobiles, lots of weakness, not a whole lot of, of inflation, more so continuing the trends of disinflation. There's always fits and starts there. And depending upon consumer spending and a labor market to avoid a recession is a historical mistake that everyone makes every time, especially trying to convince themselves that this time is different. If the, this time is different in only one sense, that the yield curve inversions are the most that they have been in at least 40 years. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, all our research subscribers, both Eurodollar University and MarketsInsiderPro.com. And until next time, take care.